that's why the church must live different from the world. This is an exclusive promise that has been given to the church alone, not to the Hindus, not to the Muslims, not to the Buddhists, not to anyone else, to the church alone. That's why the church must live a life in contradistinction from the world. Totally different. Because you, you have hope. He has promised you this. It's an exclusive promise to you, the church. To you. Hallelujah. And we see in Matthew chapter 6, now you can read for me. Matthew 16, 18. He promised exclusive victory to you, the church. Hallelujah. Exclusive victory to you. Thank you so much, Commissioner. God, I see you. Thank you. He promised exclusive victory to you. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Can, can you read King James? Is better. I believe that all of them are same, really. Really, really same. Because, you know, I read them all, you know. Yeah, they, they, if you want to enter heaven, you, you, you're going to enter heaven, right? You are going to enter heaven, whether you read NIV or King James, the Lord is just going to touch. It's a spiritual matter. Amen. He's going to touch your heart and you're going to enter. You say, Lord, no, 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 please. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So just help the guests so that they refresh and come back. Macharia, thank you. My daughter, another guest coming. Because we have to finish this part. So when you go for coffee, that probably we meet tomorrow, right? Allow me just handle this. So now, he's saying the promise. First of all, the promise of mansions and a home in the house of Jehovah was an exclusive promise to the church. That's why the church must live differently from the world. You, you, you have a promise. Hallelujah. And then number two, he's saying, Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against And so that is an exclusive promise to the church of victory. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. An exclusive promise to the church, an exclusive door open to the church alone. Revelation 3 verse 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast... So you tell me, why are you worried then? Why are you mourning like the rest of the world? Look exclusive to you. He has prepared here. The devil does not want you to know that. So that you live like the rest and, you know, end up slide with them to hell. Not at all. Now you know that the Lord has exclusive promises to the church. Hallelujah. And then it says, Revelation chapter 4, 1 and 2, another expression of that, another presentation of that exclusive door open to the church. Revelation 4, 1 and 2. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet. So for you, that, that, is, that is your hope. That there is a door open to the church. For you, that is your hope. First Corinthians 11, 25, 26. An exclusive covenant with you, my Lord. First Corinthians 11, 25, 26. 
That's why he says, for you, you have hope. And all these things, if you see the way they are going together, they are pointing, they are gearing up towards the hope of eternal life. So for you, you have hope beyond the tombs. I don't have time, let's move very fast. After the same manner, also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Very powerful. First Corinthians 6, 19-20. So you see that that's an exclusive covenant with the church. Not with the Muslims, not with the Hindus, not with anybody else, but with the church, you. And now, he also exclusively paid with his blood and purchased the church alone. He didn't purchase any other people again. Only the church. First Corinthians chapter 6, 19-20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not of your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Ye have been purchased by the eternal blood of Jesus. And then after purchasing, he exclusively separated the church alone. He didn't, say, he didn't separate any other people again. Only the church. So the book of First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. He sanctified them. Continue. Finish up. Either you read very fast or I read it here. Called to be saints with all that... He, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Second Corinthians six fourteen eighteen. He exclusively separated the church alone. That the church now has an exclusive separation unto the Lord. Hallelujah. That's now your sanctification. Continue. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And so that separation was exclusively consigned to the church. And that's why he's saying the church ought to be living totally different from the rest of mankind. You have these exclusive privileges laid before you. Hallelujah. And he's saying, Again, uh, people are coming in. Very good. He's saying Hebrews 13 12. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Very serious. And then, after that sanctification, then the promise of glorification. Romans chapter 8, 29 30. Romans chapter 8, 29 30. For whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. That is an exclusive promise to the church alone. Nobody else. That he would be able to justify you, sanctify you, and then glorify you. The church alone, nobody else. So why do you mourn like the rest of mankind? So do you understand when we're now when you're reading the scripture of the rapture of the church, the things that should be ringing loud to you? This exclusive promise the Lord gave you, anchored on the death and resurrection of Christ. 
exclusively to the church. That's why the church is being called upon in that scripture of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 14, as we move towards the rapture in uh, 15 onwards. He's calling upon the church to live differently owing to these promises. That when you look at the church in the world, I mean out here, you should see that, wow, they're different. Because for them, they have hope. Whether it's mourning, they're not mourning like the rest. Whether it's COVID, they are not worried because they know their Savior is coming. Hallelujah. And so, what else should ring to you, should give you hope, or ring into your ears, or should scream to you when you read the scripture about the rapture? Second Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10, should shout at you when you read the scripture on the rapture of the church. I'm reading it here. Second Thessalonians. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians, I beg your pardon. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 is one scripture right there. He's saying, 2 Corinthians 5.10 I'm trying to run through this blessed people so we can take a break and then come back. So he's saying the following. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 he says For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. Now look at that. That is very serious blessed people. I, 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 if you focus on me I'll be able to explain this. That is now serious. He's saying when you hear about the rapture of the church, and you hear that the church is going to be taken, you hear that he's coming to snatch the church, this is what should be ringing, that God is calling us, calling you to go and appear before the throne. In other words, the judgment seat of Christ is what should be ringing in your mind. And the judgment seat of Christ, as you've seen here, to appear there, to receive that which belongs to you for what you did in the body good or bad okay now i want to make a distinction here that the judgment seat this is the bima seat as so called in that place again like i gave you the example yesterday you are people doing the olympic games and they're running and when they arrive they're giving prizes based on which number they took right okay so let's have people move a bit and then we sit down now yes very good so now, he's saying the following. Thank you. So he's saying, he's literally saying, that this one here is an award ceremony. Focus on me, allow me just to flow a moment. This is an award ceremony. Whereby, he is now coming to reward you based on how you carried the salvation he gave you. And there, the first thing that shouts high is responsibility. Oh yes. For carrying the gospel. Responsibility that comes with carrying the gospel. It's not a joke. He's saying here that all of you have now arrived in heaven. In this case. That's what should be coming in your mind as you read about the rapture, right? All of you arriving there, and then people getting different prizes. You know, I don't want to go very deep into this, because I don't want it to hinge on the type of eternity you will have. Oh, that would hurt, right? Boy, that can hurt. 
I think you would just start entering the sack and saying, just praying every day, just loving God all the time. Why are you loving God too much like that? He said, no, I'm just worshipping these days. Huh? You, you say what? I need it. Okay. But all he's saying here, that different people get different prices. So can we build on that? Okay. Thank you. First Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 and 15. Can you read it now? First Corinthians chapter 3, we're reading NIV. First Corinthians chapter 3, 8 and 15. Then we will manage this blessed people and shortly I will bring the ship to the shore. Hallelujah. So you see that when you read the scripture on the rapture, so many things come up, right? You don't just confine yourself. So, so, so many things are now coming up. As in after the rapture, the Antichrist by the door and he's such nasty over there. And also this other side before the rapture, church age is coming to an end on this side. And then how about inside heaven when we're going to what's going to happen in there? You know, there's so much happening now. Now you have opened up. Hallelujah. Oh yes. This is serious now. First Corinthians chapter 3, 8 and 15. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are all fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. With fire, continue. And the, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. That is serious. You are still inside heaven. That's what he's saying. You are, you are inside. All of you are inside. So when you hear about the rapture, this should ring to you. Oh, you should now prepare better. Because all of a sudden, it's not the same. Because Number one, sometimes the Lord puts it like athletes who are rushing for a first prize. That is serious. And here he's putting it like a builder. And he's saying there are different builders. So the foundation is Christ Jesus crucified, Christ Jesus resurrected. And Christ Jesus ascended on high. Then he's saying, the fire that you see in the book of Daniel chapter 7, if you ever get, get a chance to read it, Daniel chapter 7 from verse 10, that fire that flows before the throne, can you stop before you read it? He's saying the following. That when you arrive there, I have seen that. Can I describe the vision? We are traveling to Venezuela for a mega, mega meeting. There are big meetings that are on your screen now. How we do the meetings in Venezuela. Massive, massive, massive meetings. San Felix, Puerto Daz, Caracas, Maturin, Puerto La Cruz, all Maracay, all the towns, Valencia, all the towns of Venezuela. We do them so big because the government gets involved, they shut down the city normally. So we do the meeting in the main avenue. 
Main, main avenue. Main, main. You see now, this is the main highway shut down. The police closed the inside, they closed this side. So main, normally main. So I was traveling in Venezuela for these national revivals in Venezuela. And so we hit Joburg, which is uh, Oliver Tambo International in South Africa. The airport in South Africa. Okay, so yes. In the, at the airport, and then we didn't have the hotel tariff. We were waiting for the transatlantic flight across the ocean. So we can connect Sao Paulo and then connect Caracas like this. Now, uh, the flow, I found out the flow of the airport is free of charge. There they don't charge. You know they could charge you. They can even say for sitting is free, but if you start sleeping, we'll charge you. They're charging everything these days, everywhere. So they, I found out they're not charging sleeping. So we just, I just slept on the floor. So I heard, I had people walking. People say, hey, is this the man of God? Wait, 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 is he sleeping here? So, so they were passing, and you know, it's a very noisy airport. Oliver Tambo International, Johannesburg. But at that place, in that milieu of busyness of noise, the Lord lifted me up. And it took me right straight before the throne of God. And that was my first time. Again, that was 29th of July, 2009. That was the first time I finally saw the church inside heaven. Finally. You know, I've seen him take the church, seen him take, but I've never seen the church inside. So the church is inside heaven, and they were worshipping the most beautiful worship ever. They were before the throne, and their hands were going all in unison, one direction like this. And then they were coming like this. But every time, if you listen, thank you very much. But every time, when they turned their garments, their garments gave flashes like thousands of lightning coming from their garments. The love of glory on them. Oh yes. There is a glorious body and a glorious garment now you know, right? And so he's saying, thank you for clapping. I'm not restricting you from clapping really. Thank you. I'm only trying to run. But you can clap to the Lord because he has good things for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know I'm in a run here. So, while there, I see the church before the throne of God. That is the appearance I'm talking about. When you reach heaven and you have to appear. In fact, the trumpet summons you to appear. You remember the second part? Now I see the release of the fourth horseman, the bell horse. He even comes close. I touch his rostrum, on the face, a rugged face. And then I see him now going around. He first goes to Egypt, and then he goes to, uh, to Greece, and then he runs all over the world. But I was seeing him from above, from heaven. How he ran all over the earth. So that appearing is what he's talking about here. And he's saying, there is a that the king is coming with, summoning you to go and appear before the king. Hallelujah. And so, that we may finish this, he's saying the following, that you must appear there to receive that which is due you based on what you did in this life. So again now he's saying, that there is a general blanket of all people receiving Christ, those who have received Christ, being born again and walking with Christ. But then, the Lord now brings them to account. How did you carry the gospel? How did you carry salvation? That's what he's saying here. And that should be a wake-up call for you people to begin now to consider the scriptures where he's saying like athletes, you train yourself that you may go get the first prize. You are many athletes running, but you want the first prize. Because their prize is being given here. 
You don't tell me, oh, me, you, you know me, if I get there, I don't even care prize. You don't say that to me. Don't say that to me. All people want prizes because it may hinge on the... I don't want to say the word quality of eternity because that would develop a deeper philosophical thinking, right? That does it mean some people... For example, if you hear the scripture in Hebrews that says he's in the higher heavens, above the higher heavens, you don't want... I, I don't want to go into those things. But uh, I'm just saying that sometimes you wonder. Sometimes you wonder. Because right now what he's saying, he's saying that you will get different prizes. That is serious enough for you to now take your salvation more seriously. And in this scripture, let me read one more scripture. Job, where, where is the person reading? Job chapter 7. Job chapter 7. Job chapter 7, if you read for me, verses, uh, chapter 21, verses 7 to 17. Job 21, 7 to 17, then I'll explain to you. Wherefore, hallelujah, the book of Job chapter 21, we are reading verses 7 and 17. Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yeah, are mighty in power. Okay, just read NIV so they understand well. I want them to understand this very, very well. This particular scripture. So I can anchor everything on it. And allow them pass first of all. Okay, thank you. We are live on air. Everybody sit down real quick in one second. Sit down real quick, real quick, very fast. The book of Job 21, verses 7 to 17. Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? They see their children established around them, their offspring before their eyes. Their homes are safe and free from fear. The rod of God is not on them. Their bulls never fail to breed. Their cows calve and do not miscarry. They send forth their children as a flock. Their little ones dance about. They sing to the music of tambourine and lyre. They make merry to the sound of the pipe. They spend their years in prosperity and go down to the grave in peace. They say to God, leave us alone. We have no desire to know your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? What should we gain by praying to him? But their prosperity is not the... In their prosperity is not in their own hands, so I stand aloof from the plans of the wicked. Yet how often is the lamp of the wicked snuffed out? How often does so now, the, 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 the scripture says the following. Based on what we're describing, they appearing before the throne of God. That should ring bells when you read the rapture. When you read the scripture, the rapture of the church telling you that you will be snatched and taken into the kingdom of God, this must ring also. That I'm going there, what am I going to present? Because we've seen very clearly that the foundation is Jesus Christ crucified, Jesus Christ resurrected. But he's saying each one of you are building on it. Some using straw, others whatever. But he's saying if you use expensive metals, durable material, it will withstand, it will withstand the fire. Because each person, whatever you have done with your salvation will be tested by fire. Then he's saying that we live in a world whereby 
the, the, the wicked seem to be prospering. The cascade and the spectrum and array of the prosperity of the wicked that we have just read now shocks you. They are living normally. Their children are playing normally. They, they are dancing there to tambourines. They are cattle are prospering. They are, they are not under the road of any judgment. Anything they touch prospers. Any child go to study what become what. But the righteous, there seem to be always a travail, always something. Something is happening. If it is not this cancer, now this child is with this trouble, is becoming a drug addict, whatever. There is always something happening. He's saying, your reward is coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> your reward is coming because out of that, you ought now to be more stringent, more holy, more righteous, because you know that even you, the righteous judge, is going to recompense you according to the righteousness of your heart. That when you look back at the things you thought you lost, as the wicked were enjoying big fields of corn, big harvest, big shakes, you know, their children are dancing with ropes out there, they are normal, you, your children are constantly sick and so forth. He's saying there is a reward waiting for you. And that should cause us now to really pursue crossing the finishing line. And crossing that line how? The question here is how do you cross it? What are you carrying before God? Now, you need to carry the salvation with greater honor. Because that is what the Lord will test there. What did you build on top? Everybody was given the cross and the blood their death and the resurrection. But what did you build on top? Because in this world, everything seems unfair. In that scripture we read. That in Job 21, he's describing how life is very unfair. That you don't seem to get what you deserve. You are walking with Jesus. You are going to church. You are pursuing righteousness. But if you look at your neighbors who are wicked, they are doing better in terms of the world. He's saying finally the judge who is sitting there is Christ. And he's a righteous judge. And that is the only judgment in the entire creation, universe or whatever, heaven and earth. That's the only judgment which is going to be righteous. You will be given just according to what you deserve. Hallelujah. So now, it also brings forth responsibility on salvation. When you received Christ, how did you walk with him? Did you observe separation? Did you take salvation and you're always fond of falling and coming back, falling and coming back? Those are the big questions we're discussing here. Let's finish up with that. The Galatians chapter 6, 7, 7 and 9. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6, 7 and 9. I can read it myself so that uh, okay I think from tomorrow on I'll just read myself be not deceived God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap it everlasting life and okay, now, Romans chapter 2 verse 7 real quick 
And then First Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality. First Corinthians chapter 4, 1 and 2. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Okay, so how did you carry salvation? And then 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24, 27, how did you carry your salvation? That's what he's saying. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery in temperate, is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Okay, so now there are many examples you have on how you used your salvation. So that is the question. How did you use your salvation? He uses examples of the talents. He gave some. They went and multiplied. So that is what will be happening at that seat. So from today on, as you begin going out there, begin asking yourself, how did you carry this salvation? Did you reach out to the hospitals? Did you reach out to those who were in prison and ministered them in the streets? Did you also just buffet yourself? Say, just a moment. I just want to be righteous. I just want to be more holy. So that you can perceive... I mean, rather receive uh, the first prize. So, in finishing now, another thing that should ring in your mind as you read the scripture of the rapture of the church is the wedding supper of the Lamb. Do you still want to hear that or you want to hear it tomorrow? Hallelujah. So, the wedding supper of the Lamb, right? The wedding supper of the Lamb should ring in your mind. When you hear that you are going into glory. And so we'll handle that together tomorrow. To be fair. Because I see people walking out to refresh. We can finish it today. But I'm saying there's so much that should really ring in your mind. <laughs> when you read the scripture on the rapture. Hallelujah. Are these briefings useful to you? Wow, it sounded more like a Russian army. <laughs> so, and tomorrow we'll also understand one thing. Another thing that should be ringing in your mind is the triumphal victory. The triumphant return with Christ to Jerusalem. Yeah. And another thing that should ring in your mind is the millennial reign, reigning with Christ. So we're going to come to those things. So there is so much to the rapture of the church. Are you ready? Let us receive Jesus so we can release people. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. <laughs>